Welcome to Feelings Fitness. I'm your host, Suzanne Bazarco, a yoga teacher, licensed professional counselor, certified mindfulness practitioner, and a mom of two. When I first entered motherhood and started raising a family, I needed something to help me survive the seasons of life, which is why I pulled the Feelings Fitness program that I created in graduate school out of the archives, linked it up with what I learned in yoga teacher training, and boom, the Feelings Fitness formula was born. Yoga plus mindfulness equal emotional well-being. It has worked for me, and I surely hope it works for you and your family too. I am stoked to embark on this journey of sharing yoga and mindfulness with you. It's time to get real about how you feel. It's time to feel fit, mind, body, and spirit. Hello, hello, Suzanne here. Today we get to the final piece of the feelings fitness formula, emotional well-being. We put yoga together with mindfulness and hopefully we created some emotional well-being. So what exactly is emotional well-being? Well, the concept is a bit self-explanatory, but it does warrant a bit of unpacking. So I found this great explanation on familydoctor.org and it stated being emotionally healthy does not mean you are happy all the time. It means that you are aware of your emotions. You deal with them, whether they are positive or negative. Emotionally healthy people still feel stress, anger, and sadness, but they know how to manage their negative feelings. They can tell when a problem is more than they can handle on their own. They also know when to seek help from their doctor. And then I took a look at Wikipedia as well, and here's what they stated. They stated, the implications of decreased emotional well-being are related to mental health concerns such as stress, depression, and anxiety. These in turn contribute to physical health concerns such as digestive disorders, sleep disturbances, and general lack of energy. So clearly, our emotional well-being is not something to mess around with. In order to live our best life, we really need to take mental health and emotional well-being seriously. And with lots of research-backed information, we can safely say that, yep, yoga and mind mindfulness can contribute to emotional well-being. So let's first take a look at yoga. So there really is so much research backing the benefits of yoga that it's becoming more and more mainstream. So back when I graduated from graduate school about 10 years ago, I was hesitant to bring it up. I, in the program, in the feelings fitness program that I created working in this K through eight public school, was hesitant to use the words yoga and mindfulness. So I just kind of created created this idea of incorporating, you know, some kind of guided meditations, some breathing techniques, and really just focusing in on identifying emotions. So, but now with it being so much more mainstream, public schools are using it, parochial schools to some extent are using it, prisons are using it as well. So yoga, and remember that there are the eight limbs of yoga. So yoga does go well beyond much deeper, than just the physical and the breath work practice, but mainly I'll focus in on the physical practice and the breath work practice, but I'll also touch upon um, using a piece of those eight limbs to, to use yoga to get further along into our emotional well-being. So the physical practice or asanas can move you from functioning from that sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system. So away from that fight or flight into a more relaxed state with less anxiety. And the breath work is mainly to thank for that transition. So the breath work or pranayama 
month. In Hatha Yoga, it's really focusing on that one breath to one movement. And there's a variety of different breath works that are incorporated into a variety of different styles of yoga. So using this breath work, you can use it for kind of the physical practice of it. Clearly, it helps with that, you know, with strength and endurance within um, physical practice. It also, there are different techniques that lend themselves more to the meditative and relaxation. So one of my favorites is this alternate nostril breathing called Nadi Shodana. And anyone who's taken a class with me before knows that I love this one. So I'm just going to briefly explain it. There are YouTube videos all over the place if you want to check out those to really see what it is that I'm trying to explain. But basically what it is, is if you're in a place where you can test it out, please do. If not, just listen up and test it out later. But if you are going to try along with me, you take your right hand and using your right ring finger and your right thumb, you'll loosely set that right ring finger on the outside of the left nostril and placing that right thumb gently on top of that right nostril. So we'll start out by closing off using that ring finger to close off the left nostril and inhale through the right. At the top of that breath, use the thumb to close off the right nostril, open up the left and exhale. Inhale on that left side. Close off the left nostril, open up that right and exhale. And that is one full round. Optimal time would be about five plus minutes, but honestly, even just a couple of rounds of that alternate nostril breathing can really connect the mind and body and really calm the entire, calm the mind, calm the body, connect it, all the things. So yoga teaches us that using the breath can help us avoid that fight or flight and create a more calm mind and body. And the breath definitely helps us connect to that mind and body. So let's take a peek at some specific asanas or postures and how they can benefit us both mentally and physically. So back bends are an example. I know our go-to thing is always the most difficult thing, which would be like that full wheel pose. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something even just as simple as a cobra pose. This releases stiffness in the physical body and the shoulder blade area, but it's also considered a heart opener so it can release stuck energy in that heart center. So more about the chakras and that energy channel for another time, but pretty cool. Inversions build strength in the physical body and they're good for mental health as well. And again, same thing here. Don't go right towards that headstand or handstand. You can even think about something as simple as a standing forward fold where you release the crown of the head down towards the earth. And you really, when you're upside down, you really feel that fresh oxygen flood your brain and it sweeps kind of out those cobwebs or that mental fog. Another one that I absolutely love is a little bit different than this, but it's still considered an inversion and that's the legs up the wall. Just reverses the flow of blood in the legs. It takes a little pressure off the heart and it definitely is one that has been known to relieve anxiety and anxiousness. So super cool. Twists are another one. They help physically. They can help improve with digestive function, but these are all also a great posture to deal with stress and anxiety because it really just kind of relieves 
relieves the tension in in the body and then in turn relieves some of that anxiousness. Yoga help also helps us really kind of look at the places in our body where we hold tension, tightness, and kind of that stuck energy. So it's really neat how these postures, incorporating that breath into it too, how it really has just psychological benefits as well as physical benefits. And like I mentioned, there are, to to dive deeper into it, you can look at those eight limbs of yoga. There are the niyamas is one limb of the eight limbs of yoga. And within that, there's, it talks about self-reflection and discovering your true nature. So during a yoga practice, you really, it gives you some time and some space to really kind of cultivate the space of non-judgment, create this real positive relationship with yourself, which in turn really just builds confidence, which spreads out to everyone that you encounter. So it's not some, some people I feel like act as though that's a selfish thing to do. Not selfish at all. It certainly is something you find your inner purpose and your inner confidence and it really allows others around you to do the same. So not selfish at all. And this idea of non-judgment and self-reflection leads us perfectly into mindfulness, how mindfulness comes into play here. And mindfulness really is about that non-judgment and accepting the present moment as it is, about putting space between thought and reaction to that thought or putting space in between, you know, the way that you're perceiving what other people say or do. So it allows us to respond instead of react, or we could say overreact, because that's what really happens sometimes when we're triggered. We overreact to things. So we certainly don't respond, don't really just react, we overreact to things. So mindfulness really helps us to have that space in between trigger and, and reacting, which helps maintain our emotions without kind of, you know, sending us off the rails. And I I absolutely love hearing about how schools are using mindfulness instead of detention. Really cool because again, it's not, you know, putting kids in a position of sitting there thinking about what they did wrong. It's putting them in a space or giving them a space, providing them with a space so that they can think about how they can do things differently. So through mindfulness, we just give ourselves grace. We alleviate some of that negative self-talk, which in turns gives us that space to be our true self. In turn, it creates this emotional well-being. So all this yoga and mindfulness being said, what if you still need more help in this emotional well-being category? Well, we need to be real about our emotional well-being. If we aren't feeling great, the first step is to try to feel better, right? So do these things like trying this yoga and mindfulness practice, but if it doesn't do the trick and some emotion, emotional issues clearly run deeper and require seeking professional psychological help. And so if your efforts to feel emotionally balanced are not effective, if yoga and mindfulness is not enough, that's okay. We're all wired differently and should acknowledge our own needs without feeling bad about it. And one thing to note too is that yoga practices can stir up emotions unintentionally. So I'll tell you, I'll be honest, I've walked out of classes on cloud nine. I have 
also walked out of classes in tears and not in a poor me kind of tears, but in just a, you know, it's just something struck me emotionally, whether it opened up that heart center and just emotions started flooding out, whatever it may be. But I just wanted to kind of make note about that because sometimes it will, a a yoga practice will kind of stir up some of these emotions, whether good or bad. You can always talk to the yoga teacher about it. You can always talk to a professional outside of the yoga space too, in terms of if it's something just that feels too heavy. So I just wanted to make note of that though, because it's kind of an interesting thing about the yoga practice and can be a little bit, a little unsettling to some people. But once you experience it and you know how to navigate it, it becomes just kind of a neat way to experience the practice. So a personal story from my own well-being vault is just really how I ultimately ended up using, coming to yoga and mindfulness. And it goes a little something like this. So on my journey to motherhood, I was one of the ones who ended up having a miscarriage and I felt like a failure and I felt like I would never achieve my desired outcome of becoming a mom and having a family. And it was too heavy for me to tolerate. And I was one, unfortunately, that instead of softening and connecting with others about this, I really kind of hardened and shut people out a little bit. So, but what I did do is I did get myself some help. I went and talked to a counselor, put things in perspective, got back out there and, you know, tried again. And fortunately I was able to have my son not too long or get pregnant with my son not too long after that. So after having my son, I will say in hindsight, I probably had some undiagnosed postpartum anxiety, which, so it wasn't depression. I wasn't sad per se but I was very worried about everything and perhaps it stemmed from having had that miscarriage and fearing, you know, a loss again of some sort, but whatever it was, I was definitely not myself. And so at that stage, I didn't get myself any help. I think I was really overwhelmed and in the thick of things and didn't end up giving getting myself any help. I still exercised, I still tried to eat healthy, all those things, but I kind of needed something more. I just didn't know exactly what that was. So fast forward two years, I then had my daughter and we moved out of the city and into the suburbs. And I'll tell you, it was, I felt alone and I felt overwhelmed. So I was overwhelmed with young kids and I felt alone because I didn't really know anyone. And being a little on the introverted side, I don't really do the best job of reaching out and kind of getting myself into new social circles. So it kind of took me a while of being, feeling overwhelmed and alone. So anyway, I guess why am I telling you all this? Well, I guess the point is that this is truly what led me to a consistent yoga and mindfulness practice on such a deeper level, not just this physical practice, but this really deep level of understanding all that the practice has to offer. So after having, you know, my kids and moving to the suburbs and that sort of thing, I 
realized I needed something. I was just overwhelmed and I needed something. And so I ended up doing the yoga teacher training program and it really got me into this deep space of yoga. And sometimes I say, or I get a little woo woo and I say yoga saved me because it really did. It came to me, a a consistent practice came to me at a time where I really needed something, but I wasn't sure what exactly that was. So now I guess I share about my practice so openly and so passionately because I hope that it's helpful to others. It really helped me in a time of need. It continues to help me as emotions kind of ebb and flow on the daily throughout the seasons of life. So this practice I took in initially, it was just an on the mat thing. And then I realized how beneficial it is and how much it translates off the mat as well and got into this mindfulness and understanding how to put some space in between triggers and reactions, especially when dealing with my kids. So clearly emotional well-being will ebb and flow on the daily throughout the seasons of your life. A yoga practice is about way more than the poses on the mat. Mindfulness means we are present in life's highs and lows without judgment, giving ourselves the grace to just experience each emotional state without defining it as good or bad, and establishing a yoga mindfulness practice can be the first step to maintaining emotional well-being. I hope you found this episode enlightening. If you like it, please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend. The more people we have engaged in this conscious conversation, the better. You can find everything related to this episode over at www.feelingsfitness.com. And as always, some of the best content comes up after the show in the Facebook group. So be sure to join over there as well. Until we chat again, feel fit, mind, body, and spirit.